Hello and welcome to episode 199 of Effect. This is a bad one. The worst yet. I'm Matthew. <laughs> and I'm Dave. And I would just like to say that that isn't a comment on the podcast. Uh, that's a comment uh, with us trying to find a Blade Runner themed um, title for the show. Because later on today, uh, we will, uh, well, we will, Matthew will be talking to us about being on the case file and talking about Blade Runner. So I'm really looking forward to, to, to hearing about that. And the quote, for those of you who don't know, who don't get it, it's, uh, it's when Deckard is talking to Bryant and he says, I need you, Deck. This is a bad one. The worst yet. I need the old Blade Runner. I need your magic. Now, obviously, I wasn't going to have a title that said something to Matthew. I need the old game master. I need your magic because that would just be that would just be that far, would be good for my ego. Though. Far far too far too um, positive. But anyway, yeah. So later on in the show, we have Matthew talking to us about Blade Runner and case files. So I'm really looking forward to that because haven't had a chance to play Blade Runner yet. And uh, yeah, I think last time I spoke about oh, this would be a good opportunity for me to read the book. I have flicked through it a bit more, but I haven't read it in detail yet. So I'm a bit. Better acquainted with it, but um, really looking forward to hearing Matthew's take on on case files in Blade Runner. But before that, um, we've uh, we've got the world of gaming, and there is a buttload, there's a ton to talk there's about. A <laughs> of stuff in the world of gaming for us to talk about. Uh, so that might that might take a bit of a time today. Uh, so. Buckle up, guys! It's gonna be a it's gonna be a loquacious one, that's for sure. Yes, yes. Um, it's just as well we haven't got any patrons to thank, um, but we'd like to thank all our existing. Well, patrons. we have a lot of patrons that we want to thank. thank. We don't we have any, any new, new ones. <laughs> and when I say that, in fact, we have a lot of patrons, and we want to thank all of them. It's not that we've got a lot of patrons, and we like to thank some of them, but yeah. the others, nah. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, yes, as ever, uh, 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 you know, I was just saying before we, we went on air, um, you know, how, how humbling and how nice it is that there are people out there, lovely people like you lot, who, um, who are willing to support us. And it's just fabulous. So thank you so much. While there are people out there who like to support us, uh, there are some people who, who really want to like Effect. But, and I quote here, um, one of the hosts basically doesn't follow RPGs or RPG news outside of free league Bastard. stuff and just sort of guffaws and acts surprised through what's usually about what? half of each episode. What? It's a real deal breaker for me. <laughs> so somebody who is not a patron, I can only imagine. Probably, yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, so yeah. Dave, do you want to guffaw and act surprised through... <laughs> The biggest story to hit RPGs so far in 2023. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't realise. I know you joked about bringing that up, but I didn't realise you were going to. Um, so, I'd love yeah, to catch I mean, you out. Uh, yeah, that, that's fine. I think, um, first and foremost, I mean, any, you know, regular visitors, visitors, uh, regular listeners of the show, Will will have heard me say ad nauseum that I first started role playing in um, in 1980, and so I think I've got about 40 years of non free league role playing under my belt before free league even came on the scene. Uh, so I think I think I did feel slightly like, hmm, 
about that comment. But um, uh, and I, I, I do. I mean, it is ob- It's clear. You know, you do. I think spend more time keeping up to date with what's going on in the world of gaming than I. So actually, sometimes I am a little bit surprised when you're mentioning stuff because I, I just don't tend to find the time, sadly, uh, to to be able to sit down and, and relax and, and and sit into all those things that are going on. I mean, the exception is, I think, what we're we'll talking about next, um, the latest <laughs> kind of saga to hit I, the... Um, even the even this story got through your, your wall of yeah. uh, disinterest. So I'm so I'm I'm, I'm sorry that 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 listener um, found that that um, my surprised nature and guffawing was a deal breaker. I, I really hope you give us another go and you can see that there's a bit more to the show than that. But yeah, you know, there is you... a bit more to the show. He also doesn't like it when one of us spends 15 minutes literally reading an essay or review they've written in advance. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, I remember when we first started the podcast, I was chatting to some friends who were listening in. And I said, you know, we were a bit worried about the essay thing. I mean, we like the idea of, of breaking up the pace, but, um, you know, not sure, you know. And he said, I love it. It's great. I love the fact that it breaks up the pace. But I get that some people aren't going to like that. And, and yeah. I'm sorry if you don't like that, then obviously that's entirely up to you. And, um, you know, maybe we need to work a little bit harder on the essays to make them a bit more engaging for, for everyone who listens. Um, no, that's okay, because this week yeah. is... Uh, the worst yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad one. The worst yet. Absolutely. Um, but that's the, so that was quite funny. But uh, yeah, you know. Um, I think we should take a positive away from this one. He does say that he wants to like us. <laughs> but he can't bring himself to. He says, has he met us? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I want to like you, but I've met you, so I can't. <laughs> well, there we go there we go no, anyway fine. anyway let's get to that big world shattering news um you're a bastard matt i hate you sometimes <laughs> <laughs> somebody sh- somebody shot us in the foot uh no didn't shoot us in the foot um oh somebody did shoot ken height in the leg do you hear about I that i did story? hear about that yeah i mean i just thought wow you're what? so on top of the gaming news day <laughs> i'm not guffawing or surprised by this one um because that was really quite grim, actually. Yeah. And, yeah. and particularly when he said it was Hyde Park, I thought, no, he doesn't live in oh. London, does he? He lives in Chicago or something. Chicago, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, you know, going out for a run in the morning and then getting yourself shot in the leg. I don't think it, it was. He, I don't think Ken Heights the sort of fellow that goes out for a run. Forgive me, Ken, if you're no, maybe not. And you are. Uh, he was, I believe, walking back from a meeting he'd had with some fellow writers. Ah, uh, right. I think. Okay. And it was gone on late, so about three o'clock in the morning. So, you know, not necessarily the the most secure time in the world. But but yeah, got mugged, I think, for his laptop. And uh, rather than hand over his laptop, he ran away. And then one of the buggers started shooting at him. That's just... Uh, yeah, it's just bonkers, and, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, and, and, and the fact that Ken's, Ken's description of it was so kind of matter of fact, as if it kind of happens three times a week. <laughs> it's like blimey. Yeah. Um I'm I'm quite glad I don't live in Chicago, frankly. But yes, um, glad, I think but great that he's okay though, you know, as long as as long as he's not, you know, suffering from post traumatic shock and stuff with it. But no. um yeah, that's uh, that's quite a grim 
quite a grim As some people said in reply to his story, well, now you can call yourself a proper Chicagoan. So, uh, <laughs> Is that a badge uh, of honour in Chicago? <laughs> it seems to be a badge of honour. But actually, that isn't the story I was going to talk about. What I was going to talk about was a certain games company shooting themselves in the foot. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. <laughs> it seems. Yeah, so what do we want to say about the whole fucking OGL saga then? I mean, I guess everyone's going to be following it pretty much. If if even I'm following it, then then everyone in the community probably is. Yeah, I don't uh, think we need to report it for no, everybody here. No. But um, uh, I mean, can we can we can we summarise it? Uh, uh, well, what, before into- Christmas. Uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they were going to be updating the open gaming license. And then apparently they sent a copy to uh, some of their publishing partners. And one of those was leaked and it was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and then they said nothing for a bit. And people started um, unsubscribing from D&D Beyond. Well, D&D started, Beyond. They started claiming it was a draft rather than a... a and then they were saying, oh, it's only a draft. And we're all winners because we, you've given us a response that we were looking for or and, and something. The re- and the response was, don't rip us off, yes. <laughs> basically. Um, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's difficult to see how they could have handled it any worse, really. No. Um, and then since then, there have been, I think, two responses. One was, was a letter um, which was from... Their gaming executive, D and D executive creator, or something—I can't remember the title precisely. Mm. Somebody who hadn't been in the job very long, months, so not heavily invested in all of this. So maybe not the right person, even to be talking to the community, perhaps. And 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 that was was better in the one sense because it was saying sorry, properly, I think, or at least more properly. But still, it left an awful lot of questions unanswered and. I think again hasn't gone down terribly well because it, it it feels simply like damage limitation rather than actually kind of like the scales have fallen from their eyes and they've realised what a bunch of idiots they've been. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, it's ongoing. They released, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, as we record this, um, a new version of uh, the OGL, which is OGL 1.2. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, seen that yet, so I don't know. They've also put the core mechanics of D&D out under Creative Commons, although, as many people have pointed out, core mechanics with no fluff um, aren't copyrightable anyway. Oh, so whether exactly, you, Whether yeah. you, not you've got it under um, Creative Commons or not doesn't really matter. Um, and it's, it's interesting. My biggest concern... Uh, originally with the with the with the leaked draft with the leaked version we should say which is 1.1 was that companies such as uh, free league who'd had a big success with um the lord of the rings yeah pre-order uh, which is the 5e version of um the one ring and of obviously with ruins of simbaroom indeed m- maybe they'd start having to pay 25% of revenue revenue not even profits. Yeah, revenue um, from those games. Uh, I, I, yeah, I sus- Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for free league. I suspect they mm. would have just quietly curtailed those lines if that was the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I've got to say it's revenue over three quarters of a million, but you know I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, particularly the one ring, would be over that limit. So um, yeah, anyway. I think I think it's also interesting that what it's what it's done, uh, you know, clearly a unintended consequence from Wizards, is that it's pushed kind of the rest of the creation community together, and Paizo yes. have put out their own or putting out their own um, orc orc. That was it. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't remember yeah. what it stands for now exactly, but lots, yeah, the, hundreds and hundreds of other creators have kind of gone in, backed up in line behind them around that. Um, yeah, I think we're and, looking at fifteen hundred creators. Yeah, it's now. a lot, isn't it? Hmm. And and so, Wizards driving all its competitors together into kind of some sort of conglomerate to do something different is. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, maybe they might think that's good because they're going to do less D and D that Wizards won't get a cut from, but. Then there'll be a lot less D and D, so that can't be good for for anyone. Yeah, but if so. we if we go back to and you know what's been interesting is a bunch of the creators of the original OGL have been talking about it, and there's a lovely quote somewhere. I'll see if I can find it and link to it in the in the um, in the show notes, where somebody was you know convincing the bosses that this was a good idea and said, look, you know, at the moment, two things uh, drag us down as a company: people buy our core books. Not so many people buy the supplements, yet yeah. we still have to keep supplements churning out to keep the core books alive. Uh, and also, uh, there's loads of competitors out there with other game systems. One of them might take over from D&D. And the, you know, their, their case of making the, the OGL was that it would mean there'd be a bunch of third-party creators creating supplements which keep the core books going strong. So, yeah. And also... Um, it would encourage people to not make their own game system, but to, you know, take a license like Hellboy or something and make it a 5G game, which we've seen quite a lot of. Yes. Like it wasn't 5E back in those days, of course. It was whatever version, 3.5 or something that yeah. I, they were talking about. Um, so, you know, there there was sound business reasons for doing it that have, I think, paid dividends for D&D. And it seemed that WotC were going to throw all those away. Yeah. Um, and they now have effectively in, in the mad chase for the... getting their hands on somebody else's cash. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, what 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 are Free League doing uh, about this? So, Free League uh, have announced uh, this week that they are going to create their own um, uh, their own Year Zero license, open game license, which will be nothing to do with the uh, Wizards OGL. Um, yeah. Thomas, Thomas, and interestingly, Thomas not joining him with the orc either. No, um, well, maybe maybe they feel they don't need it. So I, I you know, I, I do wonder that the you know the, the drive for free league to go to five e was 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 around you know expanding the kind of the the visibility of IPs like Simbaroom and and mm-hmm. I mean. You know, less, I guess, less so for Lord of the Rings because you know there's plenty of visibility for that already. But you know, making it accessible to five E player who didn't want to try something else. But I, I, my sense, and I said this is just a sense. I've not got uh, you know a, a direct line to exactly inside what notice Thomas and the others are thinking. But my sense is that they did that re- quite reluctantly. They didn't really mm-hmm. want to do it, but they kind of felt, for business reasons, they it was probably a good idea at the time. Now the whole OGL thing is blown up, and it and it's very different. I wonder whether they will see that as an opportunity just to say, okay, we tried it, 
it was a good idea then, it's not a good idea now. Let's just go back to our core our core mechanics and our core games and um, you know, take it from there. So that might be a well, reason what... why they're not trying to line up behind the orc as, as so many others are. What they have said, though, is unrelated to the two new OGLs, and this is on their press release, Free League currently publishes two product lines for 5e using Watsi's uh, version 1 OGL. Yeah. Uh, based on the latest announcement from Watsi, it seems like these two game lines can continue largely unaffected, even after their updated OGL. But Freely continues to monitor the situation as more information becomes available. Mm. So uh, they're not they're not stopping those lines. But this is on the end of a press release that talks about um, creating their own OGL for the Year Zero engine. Yeah, I mean, Thomas has said that it's clearly clearly high time for Free League to have an OGL that is fully our own. Yeah. Um, and I think he's absolutely right. And um, yeah, that'll obviously come with a, a, a reference, SRD, standard reference document as well. Um, I think that's a good development. I think that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so currently you can't download the Year Zero SRD because it's offline while they update it. Yes. Um, and do the new OGL. And then something slightly different is Dragonbane. Mm, yeah. Which isn't particularly... Um, it's not Year Zero. ...coming with a Year Zero OGL. Um, and, and one of the issues with Year Zero OGL is that it's for the... It's for, it's for the mechanics. It's not for the brand. So Year Zero OGL doesn't let you create your own alien supplements, for example. No. Because obviously Alien is an IP owned by Fox yeah. and they want to keep tight control. Well, Fox, Disney now, of course. Disney now. Uh, and they want to keep um, tight control of that. But the same even for the for the own brand stuff, the, things like Coriolis. You can't just go out there and make an expansion for Coriolis and sell it through your local shop. You can only do that through a different license, which is covered by the Free League Workshop on. Yeah. on drive through yeah. but with Dragonbane they're doing something different with Dragonbane it's letting everybody anybody create stuff for Dragonbane and publish it uh, you know in paper on your own distribute it however you want doesn't have to be through drive through or anything like that and put the words a module for Dragonbane on it yeah um, on the front cover so this is Really opening up Dragonbane, which I seem to remember Thomas told us they were going to do ages ago when yeah. we first started talking about this. Yeah, because Dragonbane. This... Sorry, carry on. I'd say this is just such a throwback to to the to the good old days of of early Swedish role playing, and mm. and it, there's there's very much the 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 the, the desire and drive of Freely was to bring Dragon bring bring Draka Optimona back to the uh, back to the people almost. And I think mm. they were always going to be more open with it they because they want people to play it and they want people to have yeah. that nostalgia, particularly in Sweden. I mean, obviously, yes. the fact that they've expanded this for the English version of Dragon Bane, which will be more more widely um, more widely accessible and, and, and played elsewhere, is great. But I guess they couldn't do one and not the other. So it's very much about this is something for the, I think, for the sweet, for the for the Swedish gaming market. Particularly for those who grew up on Draka Octomorna, like Thomas mm. Nilsson or the other guys did, um, it, yeah, and it was always going to be that. This is less about money and more about fulfilling a childhood dream. I think for them, 
Yes, yeah. And I think, as you say, it's about, it's not so much about us and the rest of the world. It's really about the Swedish community, which has probably a, a deeper sense of ownership of yes. Draka yeah. Octomona than the D&D community have of D&D. And it's passed through so many corporate hands as well over the years, that brand, that it means something to everybody. And it means that people can create their their own version of um of older versions or you know or you know recreate rules and 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 adventures and stuff that they've seen in previous versions including yeah. other swedish publishers you know established publishers like Rollspel and um you know um i can't think of any of the other publishers <laughs> who do i mean Ostergeln and um Helmgast yes. and yeah Helmgas is the one I was trying to desperately think of. You know, they can all they can all chip in and create their own products, yeah. and that sounds great. Um, yeah, and the other so thing there's Freed, that. The other thing that Freedy have done this week is 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 issue their 2023 portfolio of, oh, yeah. of games that you should expect to see. Now, I think we're probably aware of pretty much all of them. So these are games that have been uh, in production for a while. Some of them will have had beta pdfs or alpha pdfs out there for people to look at um so the games we're looking at obviously so dragon bane lord of the rings role playing that we just talked about the walking dead universe role playing game mm -hmm. then the uh the skirmish game zone wars mutant year zero and on the list interestingly pirate borg is also on the on their list so i don't think this is a stockholm cartel production is it this time no it comes from a company called Limithron or Limithron Limithron L-I-M-I-T-H-R-O-N Limithron okay not heard of them before no Thron Thron not Thon Limithron okay I, I don't care carry on <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to buy it so um, yeah so what do you know about Pirate Borg then Matt uh, so, Pirate Borg, I can tell you quite a lot about Pirate and, Borg and, because and obviously, but obviously I'm not going to guffaw that surprise. You, you need to surprise me and make me guffaw. So, um, right. so come on. So, um, uh, I don't know that much about it because I'm going <laughs> But I do know that it comes with a kind of miniature, a mini miniatures combat version. Uh, what? Oh, it, it, <gasps> it has... <laughs> I'm Go being surprised. some more. Yes, I can I was tell being you're being I was surprised. surprised then. I can afford it. Earlier. Has, it has play mats. It has, you know, sort of deck plans for ships and um, monsters okay. and stuff like that. So um, so it, it's more it, of a, there's a, there's a skirmish element to it rather than just a role playing. Well, I, I think it adds a skirmish element to it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't really twig that it was um, co-published by Free League. I guess under their Free League Workshop brand. Um, but yeah. uh, but but they must be doing that, given it's on their their list as well. Um, so yeah, that's cool. it. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah, fine. I mean, they've also got a bunch of expansions which are coming out. Again, we are aware of all of them. I think. So, mm -hmm. Forbidden Lands, you've got the Book of Beasts and the Blood March coming this, this year. Uh, Wake of the Icons for Coriolis, which I think... Yeah, all of these, of course, were meant to come out in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah. forgiving 
I think, of publishing companies on their date it will arrive on my doorstep, uh, you know, commitments. Because yeah, it's just very difficult nowadays, I think. And it's, um, I, you know, maybe, maybe other people are more bothered by the fact that these might be a bit late than I am. Um, uh, but we've also got a couple of ruins of Simbarum things that are on their way, which I don't know, presumably they'll, if they're confident the OGL thing isn't going to be a problem, they might carry on producing those. One of those is the Adventure Compendium, and the other is uh, called The Call of the Dark. So that sounds good. And then you've got Twilight 2000 Urban Operations. So that's the stuff <laughs> that, that, that they're talking about in their, their, their kind of like press release, talking about their game portfolio for this year. Um, as I said, a lot of these things, we, are, we know they are coming, and so we've been talking about them for a while, so there's no surprises in there. Maybe Pirate Borg, perhaps. Um, other things that we're kind of expecting, things like uh, the next Alien Supplement, Building Better Worlds, then um, I don't know if that will come out this year, but... No, I'm guessing work, that really puts that in 2024, doesn't it? It, it, yeah? might, it might do. Um, although I suspect, like these ones, there'll be a lot of stuff happening this year, and there'll probably be PDFs going out similarly to um, to Coriolis, perhaps, that mm-hmm. uh, that'll happen this year. But um, but that's definitely moving. So so I can I can report that that building better worlds is is um, is moving forward. We are work is is happening on it as we speak. So I, I finished my drafts um, late last year, but now um, it, it, now they're ripping it to shreds. Now they I are. Mean, now they are commenting. Metaphorically. <laughs> now they are commenting. So cool, um, cool. so yeah. So that's great. Uh, so there's definitely there's definitely progress going on there. Um, so, uh, for all those of you out there listening and waiting to get Building Better Worlds in your hands, um, bear with us, but rest assured, it is coming. It's being worked on. Jolly good. Um, talking of other announcements, a friend of the show, Jonathan Hicks, who ran a great game for us some time ago. Was it for us and um, Doug at VGC Gaming? I can't remember. I can remember playing it, but I can't remember who streamed it. Uh, I think Doug must have done actually. Yeah, I, I don't remember yeah. for sure because it was. It must have been eighteen months ago that we played that. It's yeah. a long time ago, and that was uh, those dark places when that came out. Um, which which was is which is Boston. unusual for me because obviously I, I I never play anything other than a, a Year Zero game nowadays. <laughs> so it was nice. It was nice to do something different that not Year Zero. <laughs> God, that's really bugged you, hasn't it? Like, I'm glad like, I quoted that. Like the Guinness, I'm not bitter. <laughs> uh, but Osprey <clears throat> have announced their slate of games for 2023, and that includes another game from Jonathan Hicks. Uh, well, I say another game. I think it is a standalone game, but also I think it works as an expansion for those dark places. Um, and is it's it? called okay. Pressure. Yeah, yeah, because if you, you, know, you see, you might guffaw and be surprised by this, but it <laughs> says that pressure also develops and expands upon the mechanics and setting introduced in the Those Dark Places role-playing mm. game. Uh, but it also works as an entirely standalone game. Um, so there's that. Uh, and there's also a diesel punk game of action, mystery and mad science, which is called Tomorrow City. Um, there's a picture here that I'm not sure what that's connected to. Uh, and there's Heirs to Heresy, 
um, which is an expansion. Sorry, no. Faith and Fear, I should say, is the supplement, which is an expansion to Heirs to Heresy, which is a game that I think um, we ought to get our patron Thomas to look into because that's all full of Knights Templar and stuff mm. like that. Um, and uh, finally, there's Urban Decay, which is apparently beat em up role playing. Okay. Is it is it bad of me to say that none of those excite me? It's not bad of you to say because <laughs> I know that you're just obsessed with yeah, zero games <laughs> and you don't really listen to any gaming. You say. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that is very true. I don't play any other games at all. But Osprey has been a bit of a dark horse. I don't want to say it's been a bit of a dark horse because there's another publishing house called Dark, dark Horse. But Osprey yeah. has been quietly publishing these games that have some traction uh, they've got real fans mm, yeah. but they don't ever seem to really go mass market but but you know osprey just really interests me as you know they they've always done niche publishing for war gamers and um and you know they they keep making a living out of it you know yeah. uh, uh, so i guess they're doing kind of niche rpging as well but um, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I wish I wish every success um, to to Jonathan and and everybody else involved in those games. Um, I think I am, I do have an interest in a in a kind of medieval style game because I uh, I would very much like to put something together that was sort of based on the Wars of the Roses, that kind of sort of middle med, middle middle medieval um, period. Um, so yeah, maybe that 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 might interest me a little bit. But again, Diesel Punk. You know, I'm, I've never been a big fan of Diesel Punk and. And you know, so that's not so not so interested. Um, mm-hmm. Say so we've had a lot of science fiction games lately. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed um, those dark places very much. That was a good game. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna go and get pressure though. I don't think. Um, no. But no, good luck to them. And like you're you're right. Osprey is one of those names that you keep hearing, but you know it, it's. It has. It doesn't feel like it's it's kind of broken through, uh, you know, like you say, into the mass market. But it's yeah. it's it's a constant, and they do produce good stuff. So mm. yeah, all the best to Osprey and everyone involved in all those games. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I wonder what they think about the OGL. Um, yeah. A, now one, one, I just one, carry on. I'd say one other little bit of news. Um, in the in the, in the spirit of um content creation uh, communities, uh, Modifius have this last week announced that they are creating or opening up their, their world builder program for content creators for 2D20. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't looked into it in detail, but basically they are they are doing the same to allow people to take the 2D20 system and create their own content with it, which is great. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I've been working a bit on a couple of things with, with Modifius, both 2D20 uh, games and the system is warming yeah. warming on See, me warming I, am, I am warming it's warming to you because it's paying you so well well yeah there's that obviously but I mean, you're going to get warm to it there, there, are, there are things I, I very much like about the 2d20 system and like you said I think a lot of my problem with it was was some of the loquacity of the writing if that's a word mm. as in you know too many too many words in there I think sometimes in some of those games um but no, that's great. So I think there's a lot of fans of the 2D20 um, engine 
system and great that Medivius are um, are, are going to be opening it up to let people create their own stuff with it. I think that's really cool. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that, that, you know, and it feels to me that uh, this, I don't know how long these plans have been sort of being worked on, but this, this moment of the OGL catastrophe has really got everybody to accelerate their plans and announce them. So it feels like a great opportunity for people wanting to create with all those things. Yeah. No, and shall we move on? The only other thing I was going to say also as well, you know, if, if there are D and D players who are, are now put off because of, uh, what sees behavior. And I think there are quite a lot. There's so much stuff coming up, waving saying, hello, have you thought about us? Come and try, come and try this game or come and try that game. If you want to write about it or make it, make your own content, you can do that too. Come along and we won't take mm. all your money off you. So I think that's great. I really hope it does expand some uh, 5e players' horizons into other games, even if they go back to 5e one day because, you know, because they want to. Um, yeah. But, you know, come and try something else for a while whilst you're grumpy with wizards and, um, you know, and see where it takes you. Yes. Cool. <clears throat> right. Um, one of the places it might take people is the Blade Runner role-playing game. It might. And you set me the challenge of creating an adventure for Blade Runner. Um, I didn't create an adventure, but I did write about <laughs> how that creation process went. So, um, yeah, so here's one of our very boring reading sections of the um, yeah uh, of the show. It's like an audiobook version of a blog. <laughs> Uh, you you know, I mean, you've triggered me this morning, mate. It's really, you know, it's really bad. You should, you should edit some of this out. I'm not really that bothered. I, I can take constructive criticism, guys. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right then, yes. Let's but I will we... say, Go it's on. not 15 minutes long. Have we ever done a recorded piece that's 15 minutes? Are no, I don't think sure? we ever have. I don't think I mean, we ever have. We might We I try might and keep got... them to between... 700 and 1200 words this yeah, is a bit over i might there. have had a couple that were 10 minutes maybe over the years yeah i think um, i think 10 minutes is about our maximum yeah but um i don't think we've ever done 15 but um no anyway i can i can take criticism i promise <laughs> right anyway let's move on quickly and let's listen to what you've got to tell me about being on the case file for blade runner i should relish this more I'm always wanting to turn games I play in into police procedurals, as anybody who has seen my appearances as Inspector Shu in the Inspector Shu Mysteries, I, I mean um, Alien the Colony, on our YouTube channel, will attest. But I am intimidated by the challenge I have set myself for this episode, creating a case file for the new Blade Runner RPG. The guidance to GMs starts on page 213 of the core rulebook, The Anatomy of a Case File. Reading this, I'm reminded of how mysteries are structured in Verson. I have made a very popular mystery for Verson, so I'm pretty sure I can do this after all. Indeed, the anatomy of the Blade Runner case file seems to be simpler than a Verson mystery. No actual Verson, after all. 
The situation may involve replicants, or it may not. And in this game, there are not a huge variety of different replicants. My idea for a situation is about an illegal bare-knuckle boxing ring. But hold on, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we get into the situation, which in a case file includes the things the players will only find out as they investigate the case, like the fact that my replicant fighting ring is being run by corrupt police officers, they must have a prelude outlining the themes of the adventure for the GM and the briefing, which is what the PCs are told when they first get the case. Now, if you are creating an adventure to run for your own table, you don't need the prelude. You will know the themes of your own adventure. That said, it's probably worth throwing themes on a post-it note or two so you can remind yourself as you create and then run the case. But you can't skimp on the briefing. This needs to have enough of a hook to interest the players. Not the PCs in this case. It's a police procedural. The characters have to at least start doing what their boss tells them to. To hook the players, you need to lay out an intriguing mystery. So in my case, I probably wouldn't even mention the illegal boxing. Perhaps I'd start with the discovery of the badly beaten body of a replicant in the river, or what passes for rivers in 2039 Los Angeles, with its serial numbers filed off. Yes, I know a replicant doesn't have serial numbers, but I'll work out some sort of unique identifier, a DNA sequence or, or something that the Nexus 9s are meant to have, but which this body lacks. That's the mystery. Just... Who is this guy? What the briefing needs, however, is handouts. Thank Mercer, it's a lot easier to make handouts nowadays than when I started role-playing games. On the other hand, I have a lot less time than I used to. I am not a fan of AI-created art, but I have to say it's more than a real time-saver. It can create impressive images. So, in my case, I would create a simple police report about the discovery of the body, possibly with some inconsistencies which could be clues leading to, for example, corrupt police officers, another from the autopsy or from the manufacturer, uh, and maybe that's all. To make up for the lack of other handouts, I would bullet point some facts that the PCs can learn from questioning their boss, Holden. The countdown is familiar from Versen. It's a series of events that takes place, whatever the PCs do. Well, I say that, it's possible that the PCs might get to be in a position to prevent an event or intercede in it in some way. In Versen, the countdown ends in catastrophe, which, it is hoped, Versen's investigators can prevent. There is no mention of a catastrophe at the end of Blade Runner's countdown, but I guess there could be a climactic event. But one of the differences between the countdown in Versen and in Blade Runner is that the events in Blade Runner are tied to shifts. Well, I say that. There is some flexibility if your party are splitting up to gather clues at a faster pace. 
Otherwise, each one, and they suggest about five events, is planned to occur in a specific shift, morning, day, evening or night, over, I guess, a couple of days. I don't have all my events clear in my head yet, and I definitely don't know what order they should come in or what shifts they should occur in. So far, I have an approach from an officer trying to encourage the party to drop the case for some spurious reason, which might actually occur in downtime, an actual fight, which the players might actually get invited to, maybe the death of a bookie who knew too much, and an actual attack when it looks like the PCs are about to crack the case. Um, But hold on, did I say split the party earlier? Let's talk for a moment about splitting the party. If you have just two players opposite you, this isn't something you need to worry about. But if you have three or more players, then I think it's essential for the feel of the game to break the party up, at least for parts of the game. The whole genre of the fiction is a detective working alone or at the very most with a partner. Obviously, we don't want to exclude players from the table, but we do want to make the game feel right. We need to take every opportunity to split the party into pairs and singletons as often as we can. Now, some GMs might throw their hands up in despair at such a suggestion. Never splitting the party can often make tactical sense for player characters, but it's useful for GMs too, saving them from having to think too much about handing out spotlight time fairly. For many GMs, switching between scenes and split PCs can be daunting, but I am here to reassure you. You split the party every time you run a combat. As soon as initiative is rolled, or cards are dealt, and turn order is defined, every single PC is a party of one. The GM resolves an action or two, then moves on to the next in order. My advice to GMs running split parties in Blade Runner is to treat the investigation like individuals in a combat. Yes, admittedly, not every moment in an investigation is resolved with a dice roll. But think of a decision, or go somewhere, a conversational exchange, a clue discovered, or, yes, a dice rolled, as that sub-party's turn, and switch to the other party. The actions move back and forth quickly, and yes, there may be cliffhangers as you change the scene, but cliffhangers never stopped anyone watching a drama, did they? Let's go back to creating the case file. The next component we have to consider is creating the characters. Both main protagonists, the corrupt police officer running the fighting ring, a larger-than-life compare, a replicant fighter that's had his implanted memories literally knocked out of him, and the minor PCs that inhabit some of the locations. Though, as I said, I'm not a fan of AI art, the one I really do like and use is perhaps the first that came to my attention, Artflow, which can create mugshots of your NPCs. 
The slightly uncanny valley images it creates are perfect for Blade Runner. If you want to enhance them, then a little tweak of tones or a neon noir wash is all that you need to fix them firmly in the rain-soaked world. Which brings us to that world. This game, I think, requires a good number of locations, and I feel we've been spoiled by the handouts in the starter set. The temptation to create an evocative image of every location you list is strong, especially when the film made such memorable use of photos, what the game calls the Esper network and machines. But creating images like that is incredibly daunting, so much so that even as I type this, I suddenly don't want to create the case file after all, despite getting so excited by my previous ideas. And I spent four years in art college. If you are similarly daunted, I have advice for you. Don't be. Don't worry. Don't try to create images like the ones they gave us in the starter set. I think we're too excited by the slightly point-and-click feel of investigating these images and discovering clues. It's not a brilliant innovation, after all, and I predict the novelty will wear off pretty quickly. GMs have been describing locations for decades, and you can do it in Blade Runner too. That said, I have, for the moment, talked myself out of creating a Blade Runner case file, but I hope some of you will, and will show your working. Uh, yeah, so thanks, Matt. That's a really interesting listen. Um, I got a few comments. I, I mean, the first thing, um, first thing I'd say is, um, I, I, I applaud your self-congratulatory tone in the opening, where you talk about your very popular mystery for Verson. Um, but uh, it is a good story. Summer in December. If people haven't come across it and they play Verson, it is a great little story, actually. Um, but you know, I, I always like to. To pull you up on a little bit of of, of individual self backslapping, but um, uh, um, it's a it's a popular story, mate. It's a popular adventure. So is it a I very popular it. one, though? I count it as very popular. Yes. <laughs> well, you would. I count all of the things I write as very popular, but they might. Not I be. believe. I believe Millie, our patron and friend, is running it at Aircon this year. So, ah, cool, excellent. Yeah. It is. It is a good. It is a really good little story. I have to say, I'm, I'm taking the piss. Uh, I do like that story very much. Um, but anyway, back to Blade Runner. So, so is is the headline here? It's just all a bit too much effort. Is that what we're saying? It's not a bit too much effort. It's a lot too much effort. Yeah. I think actually, uh, you know, I I think one of the things about the genre, and maybe I didn't even enunciate this so much, is. Not just the idea of, uh, you know, I, I got kind of lost in creating pictures for it, but actually to be really Blade Runner-y, you've got to have loads of locations, I think. Mm. You've really got to get into the, you know, the the dark spaces yeah. of the city. And, um, you know, I, talked, I, I thought about, uh, I'm not a big fan of 2049, but one of the things I love about 2049 is that big seawall and the rough seas outside and the idea that you know the the sea levels have risen and i'd love to you know take this adventure into that seawall i'm in 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 my head that final fight is happening in some space within that seawall so you've got the um 
the raging waves outside and the yeah. raging uh, replicant boxes inside. <laughs> but you know, you know, you can't just do okay. Well, this location, this location, this location, and leave it at like five. I think, I think you've got to have like twenty to really yeah uh, capture that Blade Runner feel. And um, I, I might be inspired to create twenty locations. I think it might help if. If you in if one creates locations that one then revisits or yeah you know maybe maybe the, you know what you know what may be interesting I'm just thinking this off the top of my head here this isn't a drive through uh, RPG thing sadly uh, because Alcon owned the license Blade Runner yeah but if if it was a drive through uh, RPG freely workshop thing I think I could spend some time just creating locations. And I think other community members could do that as well. And we could build then, up a big library of locations. Oh, okay. And then yeah. people, you know, go, okay, I'll take this one, this one, and this one, and I'll set my adventure around those, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's 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 a good idea. Cause I, so I think the thing that strike, strikes me is, I mean, my, my, okay, my, my question is, do you have to have images? Can you? Because no. Because we've, we've all played, you know, Cthulhu, and that's an investigative game, and you set up mysteries, and you set up clues, and for that you don't need dozens of AI art pictures for people to pour over, and you can set up no. a great investigation game. So when I was looking through, um, you know, the Blade Runner book over the last few days, and then listening to your piece, it, it kind of struck me as why why couldn't you just create a scenario in that way, and then take away some of that overhead? Because I guess certainly for me. The, the overhead of creating artwork as images for with clues in them would be enormous. It might be less yes. so for other people who are who are more IT literate than I am. But for me, that would definitely be a barrier. But I could see myself doing creating case files, um, you know, but without with with you know without images um, in in the kind of old traditional way of just creating an interesting mystery. Well, that uh, which is how I conclude my piece. Which obviously you didn't listen that well. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know we don't need the images. In fact, that kind of slightly point-and-click nature of the uh, those images, where you're meant to go, oh, I see, there's a book on the table. Is there anything interesting in the book? Oh, yes, here's the clue you get out of the book. Um, yeah, that that I feel could get quite tiresome after a time. Yeah. So no, you definitely don't need the images. But actually, no, uh, the thing that I don't think I expressed in the article. And the thing that really put me off is you do just need a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of places. And even if you're doing a little written description, just actually imagining those places. You know, I've got that seawall uh, space image in my head, but I need another, you know, 15 or at least a dozen more, I feel. Yeah. To give to give people places to go in a decent adventure. And um, maybe, maybe what Freely should look at is doing a, a kind of location supplement where you know well, this, is, this is this is downtown LA and give thirty locations or something. Um, now, of course, uh, the uh, cyborg game comes out with exactly that sort. It of does. I, I've actually book. I just pulled that off my shelf and I've got it in front of me here. And um, as as an item to sell on the stall, it doesn't look great because of the way it's packaged. But actually, yeah. once you open it and get into uh, each page is is a, is a is a separate location for cyborg. Yeah. It's it's a superb game aid. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And now I'm probably never going to play Cyborg, but as a game aid, this is 
top notch, absolutely top notch. Yes, yeah. Um, and they're kind of rip out, so you know you've got two or three copies of each location in there, and so you could you know run the rip them out, put them in your current scenario, or play on them in your current scenario, and then um, next time do a different adventure in the same looking place, or even as I was saying for Blade Runner, maybe it's the same place. Maybe we start building up and populating the city with yeah, interesting exactly. places. Yeah, it would work for a, for a, if you were running a long campaign. You would then slowly build up your your library of locations, a bit like when I yeah. was um, when I was doing Coriolis campaign, Spectral Corsair. I I basically set up each system when they went to it, so I was building mm. up my library of my archive of all the systems, which was then what I used for the um, the planetarium, the Moon Chain planetarium that I put up on Drive. Yeah, uh, has that got a silver badge yet? It has. Yeah, that's silver. Um, oh, the, so that's the, that's very popular too. That's that's reasonably popular, yeah. So um, the icon on drive through has still got copper because I can't remember how to change the copper to silver, but it is it is a silver badge thing, yeah. Um, but so so that could that could work quite well if you as a GM wanted to invest a lot of time and effort in building up your campaign and you were playing it regularly. Um, but yeah, the other thing I wanted to to to, to draw out is your comments on splitting the party. Mm-hmm. Now, traditionally, you know, as you say, the idea of splitting the party is something that GMs are told to try and avoid because you end up with with people sitting about. Um, I take your point about combat, that actually everybody is kind of a party of their own in, in a combat situation. Although I would I would I would challenge it a little in that in that combat situation, you are able to interact with each other. So, you know, take mm. um, Forbidden Lands, for example, you know. Tengrail spends most of his time trying to block attacks on Gorma and Isambold. So we are together. We are doing stuff together. And having the other character there influences my behavior. When you split the party, you don't have even that. So you know people are just sitting on the sidelines for that for that period. Yeah. So I, I, think I, kind, the, so I kind the, of take the, your point. I kind of feel... Sorry, just to finish the point. I kind of feel that... The idea of, of, of kind of running the part the different parties in almost like combat rounds is possibly too quick. But you could definitely say that each each moment of limelight on each part of the party that's split is no more than three minutes. And then you quickly flip the other side. So actually people aren't sitting about waiting um, you know, for, for twenty minutes for their turn. I think one of the things yeah. that I find quite difficult again again, just to finish the point, <clears throat> that I don't enjoy particularly um, which we tend to do, tended to do in Pendragon with Andy's game, and we tend to do a little bit in L5R with Tony, is that there are things that are relevant for only one or two characters, and it's important that the other characters don't know it at that moment. So being mm-hmm. sent into the other room is a bit boring. So I think. Well, I like to go to the other we, room and have a nice nap. But I, I know, don't... but that's because you're an old man. But I think the idea of, of, of spitting the party, you would need to make sure that it doesn't matter. That the other party is listening in to what the first party is doing, because you don't yeah, want to be sending with people things out like of the, the Esper network. I don't think it does matter particularly. You know, no, you maybe, can hand yeah. wave any knowledge that you might not. You know, I mean, obviously, the key thing is for players to be grown up about this and to yeah, not use knowledge that their character wouldn't have. But if they do let it slip, I think you know, in this world of. Um, 
SP units and 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 things like that, you could probably hand wave why they why they knew a certain thing then. Mm. Um, but I think the key. So I think everybody stays at the table. It isn't like great long scenes. And you know the issue with the um, with when we play those games where one of us has to skive off to the lounge for a bit is because there's you know there's inter-party intrigue in those yeah. games yeah. which doesn't occur in uh, particularly in Blade Runner and also because the scenes that are then played out are really long and I'm not sure I hold to your well just make sure it doesn't last more than three minutes because I think sometimes it will last less and sometimes it will last maybe more but there is a you know you you Everybody does one or two things is, I think, the thing to think about. Yeah. Once somebody's done a couple of things or made a couple of decisions or had a couple of lines of a conversation, then you just go back and say, okay, here's what's happening with you. Yeah, uh, I think I think it does bring a challenge for the GM, though, for sure. But particularly if, you're, if you've got a, a variety of people, um, personalities in your gaming, in your player group, because some people would be, uh, you, know, you know, like the limelight more than others, shall we say, or... or, or would take more advantage of that and others might just you know say okay i'm going to do something quite simple and so you the gm would need to balance that to make sure that one player doesn't do one thing that in game terms is basically the same as you know same duration as what the other player would do but the but the player spins it out to five minutes and then the other player does it in 30 seconds so i think there are it brings that kind of that kind of challenge i think as well but um why so you you also say in the piece that Blade Runner needs the party to be split. Why? Why? Why would you say that the party needs because to be split? This is a Blade story about. Well, broadly speaking, this is a story about isolation and individualism. Um, so you know, Deckard spends all that time pretty much on his own. Um, should you argue whole, then that, that you should play Blade Runner with one GM and one player? I th- I th- I think it's ideal if one or two. I think um, you know because. It's a social thing, but I think, yeah, I think the the ideal group would be one GM and one or two players. Yeah, and then and then all the problems of splitting the party have disappeared. You can still have partnerships. You know, there's plenty of police procedurals that are about partners, but there are not very many police procedurals. There are some now, of course, in things like NCIS, um, but um, there aren't all that many where a bunch of policemen descend on a scene and start about big you know, teams. Five yeah. of them interrogating the uh, you know the one person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but particularly, so police procedurals, maybe you can have more in. But these are uh, Blade Runner is noir, and noir is essentially isolated, in yeah. my opinion. And so I yeah, think I, can, I think I can the feel of the game. Yeah, I can certainly get that. I think you know, some some people might might feel that two players is is not enough. I've had a lot of really great games with just two players, and mm. I think you know I can see that working really well as like you say as partners. But you know, maybe at times or, yeah, or, or, I, for, or, for, or for long periods, you go off and do your own thing and then come back together to to, to compare notes. By accident of um, Andy's uh, unavailability, the last yeah. two scenarios we've played of Toto have been two of us. Yeah. And I've just been editing the ones that Andy was involved in, and um, they're great. And I'm kind of 
slightly looking forward in some trepidation to editing the ones where it's just me and Tony. So yeah. I, you know, I generally prefer, you know, I like three players. We've been playing with three players for bloody years. Yeah. That's um, a good number. Sorry? Three. Yeah. I was agreeing with you. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, three or four. I, I, I'm more nervous now about five or more players. I think I can cope with five more than five. I'm, I, I'm not particularly into, yeah. but yeah, I think the two, the, the one, the, the one GM, one player experience is a very different thing. I think this would work really well for that. Um, the two players and the GM, again, I think this would work with, I mean, actually, I think one of the things we ought to consider is maybe Blade Runner is one of those games that you hold for when you do have just two of us. Yeah. Or three of us. Um, it might be fun to do it that way. Uh, It'll be interesting to see, yeah. So uh, Tony's quite keen to give Blade Runner a go um, mm. at some point. Not not very soon, I don't think, but you know, not not too far away. But I expect we will have a number of players who will want to want to give that a try. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays with four or five players. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think I I think you should try and split the party as often as you can when you yeah. do that. Send okay, them off cool. to the lounge or to the bar. Right. Yeah. Shall we cool. call this episode to a close? Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Matt. That was a good a good piece, a good talking points. Um, even if you're too lazy to create your own scenario. But yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Sorry. I, <laughs> I just couldn't be bothered. But I got really into it sort of halfway through. And then by the time I'd finished writing it, it's like, I uh, was there. <laughs> and it's a location. It's the locations. That's what yeah. does it for me. No. With or without pictures. Um, that's where I run out of steam. No, um, cool. Good job. So next, next time, time will be episode two hundred. Two hundred. Yeah. So my homework to you, since I've done homework <laughs> this time, is organise a spectacular two hundredth episode uh, uh, content for us, please, Dave. Okay. Um, did I did I did I tell you that I'm really busy with writing? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And, but remember, yeah. it's this podcast that got you those jobs. So I know, I know. <clears throat> got to keep your priorities together, mate. <laughs> so yeah, um, is there is there something is there something that we could we could both do? Is there is there a topic with two sides to the coin, and I could look at one side and you could look at the other? There is, there is. I've got a great idea. We started this podcast. Over 200 episodes ago, but, you know, we talked about counting, as the Coriolis effect. Yeah. Now, 200 episodes later, is it time to judge Coriolis, to put Coriolis on trial? Is it? Does it stand the test of time? Maybe. Is it as good as we thought it was? One of us is the prosecution. One of us is the defence. We are. And our listeners... Yes, you, our listeners, are the judge. 200 shows, blimey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, a lot more than 200 because of the way we counted, but some of them I are very short. <clears throat> We're bad at counting, aren't we? That's the... <laughs> Maths was never either of our strong points. I think we'll um, leave it here and hope to see you next time, folks. So unless you've got anything else to say, Matt, it's um, goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. 
and may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.